Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I have the honor of coaching and helping uh, entrepreneurs to start, launch, and grow their, their businesses. Today, our featured guest is courageous entrepreneur, Kari Anderson, and she's an Emmy-winning former NBC and Wall Street Journal reporter, uh, now connective behavior speaker and a col columnist for Forbes and Huffington Post. Uh, Anderson's TED Talks, uh, she had this great TED Talk on web, the web of humanity, becoming an opportunity maker, and she's attracted already over 1.3 million views. This girl is on fire. So Kari, I'm really excited you're on the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? I believe um, pulling rather than pushing is what works. And when we recognize our blind spots and what we're not good at, we don't have to worry about trying to keep humble. Uh, it's inevitable. And I think that's one of my strongest lessons. Mm, I love that. Now, uh, Startup Nation, if you want to find Kari, her website is sayitbetter.com. That's sayitbetter.com. And Kari, I just got to say, we all can say it better, right? <laughs> Communication is like the most important skill set, I think, in this modern economy. But let's not get into that. Take a minute and share with us something personal about you that very few people in your business life know. I believe one of the most startling things is I grew up a stutterer and was called diagnosis phobically shy. And the man I was um, forced to, to see when I was in grade school, who was a speech pathologist, I later learned was going through a bitter marriage. So he had such a fierce outlook on his face that I would get scared when I was talking to him and I got worse at it. But then I realized if someone was looking that fierce, there must be some part of him that's hurting because that's what my parents who are Christians told me. So they said, instead of getting angry, this is your chance to learn. Um, and so that's one lesson I've just kept with me for a long time. He didn't tell me till I was in high school what was going on and he apologized for his behavior. Wow. So look at that. Your parents instilled such great wisdom. They're like, look at the opportunity in this rather than the fear or the intimidation from this. Right. And, and so many themselves. I'm sorry. Yeah. Say that again. They do that themselves. I mean, you have to be congruent. I would not have heard it as clearly if I hadn't seen my parents do the same thing. Mm. You know, and that's so interesting because as kids growing up, we don't listen to our parents, but we do what they do. Right. So it's very important that we're not hypocritical, right? Because kids are watching and kids are doing what they see, not what they hear. Right. And then I think that's very, very important. So why do you think uh, this is like the starter question I love starting with take like 60 seconds. Why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs, my belief are struggling to make their first $100,000? Why do you think that is? I think you have to have clarity and flexibility and if you're not sufficiently specific, you can't notice whether you're bringing the right product to the right niche market in the right way. And when you're specific, you realize, oh, it's not this, it's this. So I'm moving from general to specific about those three things, the product, how they hear about it, how they use it. Um, but then being flexible to notice, um, I think that's the way you evolve faster. 
you change faster in what you're doing. I love that. And I really connect with that because as an entrepreneur myself, startup nation, I've made all these mistakes, right? That, that, uh, you know, Kari is, is, is sharing right now because it's like, man, I wasn't specific. I was so general. I want to do everything for everybody and they should pay me for it. And that is not the case because they had no idea what I was great at or where the value was for them or what they would be paying for. And when you're too general, like Kari's saying, nobody gets you. They don't get what you're seeing in your head. And taking the time to get clear about it, which is the work that we all try to avoid, getting clear changes everything. That's the game changer, wouldn't you say, Kari? I absolutely believe it. Specificity leads to self-clarity, less um, conflict and misunderstanding with others, and more credibility and more interestingness. Yes, I, I have <laughs> yeah, I think you just summed up my whole entrepreneurship journey is not communicating well with others. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's a struggle out there. Now, context, our audience loves context. And then we're going to get right into your story. Um, approximately how much revenue did your company, your business uh, do in the past 12 months, gross revenue approximately? Blessings from others. It's it's about two hundred fifty thousand. It's my best year ever. Congratulations. That's excellent. Really well done. And I'll just say briefly, I have somebody who's so good about finance and and so on. He keeps track of that for me in a way that I don't fully understand. Thank you, John. Thank you, Andrew. And and what was your business like before you had someone taking care of the numbers and the financial side? Because that is such a common mistake we do as entrepreneurs. We just wing it in the beginning? I don't realize, um, I couldn't notice enough in my budgeting and, and my timing soon enough what was selling more and why. Mm. And I was trying to do things I'm not very good at. It sounds really sexist, but I'm not good at numbers nor directions. I've gotten better because of them, but I made it worse for even the person who does my tax returns. Um, and I think when I let them have more freedom and choice and suggest how they were going to work the budget and when they were going to tell me. And when they said, I guess I've got to dumb it down more, Kari, for you. Um, and they said, excuse me. Uh, we then agreed that we would consider that humor. That's when we were open to each other about listening, it helped. I didn't listen close enough at first. I get that. So you found a, a great communication uh, middle ground, it sounds like for both of you, you didn't take it personally. And you saw that, hey, they're there to help me. And one thing I, I don't want to let slip by is that you empowered them to make decisions on their own in their strengths, which was your financials. And that is key, right? So giving that decision making autonomy, um, was that difficult for you to let go, let go of control, even though you weren't strong with numbers? No, control wasn't an issue with that. I felt embarrassed that I didn't know, and then I realized it was pride. And then ironically, one of them said, you know, since your expertise is ostensibly, that's the word they use, in connectivity and quotability, um, Kari, you don't understand what we're trying to describe to you. So I'm, I'm struggling to describe things in a way you'll get. And I was just looking at them and say, I apologize. Mm. And he said, I haven't seen you blush before. <laughs> <laughs> you know I what? Like dry humor. I like dry humor. And I love that because you – he got human, uh, very human with you and, and you got very human with him and you realized, hey, once I remove the, my pride, um, I can connect with this person. 
and uh, we could create a workable situation together. So that's huge. So Startup Nation, who's that person in your business right now or in your life right now that you're just not getting real with, that your pride, your ego's in the way and it's blocking your communication. So Carrie, what are you on track to gross in the next 12 months? What's that goal? Well, um, I'm fine with what I have the way it is now. Uh, what I want to do in this next year is provide deeper support, ironically, to three companies who said they want to work on retainer. Hmm. And I want to propose things to them they may not yet be ready to realize they may want or need. So if I make more money out of it, it's fine. It's happened in the past. But I, I even want to help them pro bono on some stuff. If they will generate one of the product services that I believe will help refugees for free and get a halo for launching the product um, and then selling it to other people. Got I mentioned it. to them. So they'll say they'll be open to exploring it. Got it. So what I'm hearing you say is that you're not so much financially driven right now. It's more, like you said, uh, if next year you get a new halo um, over the next 12 months, that's a win for you. Is that accurate? If they get a new halo, I actually, it's fine with me if I'm not even known to be a part of that strategy. Um, Got it. So you're the, you're the quiet angel on the, on the sidelines helping others. I love it. So Kari, I believe, you know, we listen to millionaires and billionaires all the time in interviews and, you know, podcasts and other shows. Um, and they get interviewed and they talk about how great they're doing and their successes. And we're all like, someday that's going to be me. However, we struggle to connect with them because the challenges and struggles when you're doing millions and billions are completely different than your first year in business when you're struggling to make that first 100K. So take us back to when you were struggling in your first year of business, uh, paint us a vivid picture and tell us that story. Well, I came back from being a reporter for a newspaper and then for a magazine of the air, but it was a man who syndicated that. He said, you know, Kari, everything you can do, you can syndicate and sell it to other people with slight revisions. So that's when we started thinking, magazine of the air was TV stuff. He said, let's partner with people who can turn it into simultaneous um, translation. And then I realized meeting people who had talents very different than me was not only valuable, it was a lot more fun, it was more of an adventure. We'd say the idea to them, and brevity was important to say, here's a parent, a parent sweet spot. You, you know three languages. You can translate them almost simultaneously. Would you like to make more money if you could with my stuff? So the setup has to be brief, and it has to be youth-centered, not me. And I learned that from the man who helped me in the first place syndicate it. You, me, us, I call that. I had, wrote a book called getting what you want. Ironically, that was not the title I wanted. <laughs> and that's why I came up with Triangle Talk. Mm. Start by talking about them. That's, that's, and, and then we could hardly keep up with it rolling out to other countries. And then people wanted feedback. So I said to three people, I don't have time to be a columnist on this. Why don't you be a columnist and we'll get sponsors for you because you'll be a columnist in Chile. You're gonna be a columnist in Spain There'll probably be somebody who thinks underwriting that will be pennies for them, but a nice income for you. Then I had to meet lawyers to see, figure out which lawyers knew how to write that kind of contract. So it was taking a lot of time, but I thought, wow, this is cool. It's like um, 
I could then again meet people from other countries, which I wanted. That was a rather wordy answer, but it was a really tumultuous time, but we kept trying to find the common path. And I realized um, there are three key people, like an inner circle, next circle, and others, where we had, to, if he called, I had to say, okay, I'm going to get off. What do we need now? Or emailed. And uh, then as it grew, I knew I needed someone to sort of manage that part. But sort of like ESOPs, when everybody knew they had a direct access to revenue as we grew, and we had a really good lawyer, um, it helped their motivation. Mm. I think Richard Brand Branson, by the way, was a real model for me because he's always highlighting other people. Mm. Uh, when people interviewed him, so these businesses that he was funding, they really felt like they shared the stardom and they were so proud. I think that's got to motivate people in their performance behavior. I, I love that, right? And that's an area that, man, I used to suck at. You know, I would always want the light for Phew. myself, right? I, I always would want the light for myself, the stardom and, and recognize me and the pat on the back and the affirmation. And yeah, that's all fine and good. But the more I got away from that, and I, I still struggle with it, right? But the more I started giving credit to my team when we would get a, a compliment, an award, a recognition, I'd be like, yeah, they're the ones responsible. They do the day-to-day, -day, not me. And, and I would call them up to the front of the room or whatever so that they could share in that, that praise, that, that glory. And, man, you could just see people light up. They light up and they take ownership now. Like, man, this is my company too. And that makes it easier for you and I as the owners because now they're more driven and they want to go build your company for you. And they're Phil Alliance. I just gonna recommend a book that I loved on that exact topic. It's called The Power of Moments. It's how to make more moments meaningful in your company, uh, in your family, in your cause. Actionable insights plus real life examples. Dan and Chip Heath, they're wonderful. I like that. So how long did it take you to hit that first one hundred thousand in your business? Eight months, and we planned on two years. Wow. Isn't that great? And I, and I think, like if I could speculate, I think why that happened so quickly for you is because you expanded yourself by leveraging others' talents rather than trying to do it all yourself, which is what we try and do as entrepreneurs. We make that mistake constantly. So Startup Nation, learn from the wisdom of the way Kari executed her first eight months in business. And maybe you're sitting there and you're struggling and you don't know why you can't get to that 100K mark. Look at what she's sharing with you right now. How much are you trying to do yourself and, and block your team from actually shining in? Start sharing the stardom. Start sharing the light. And you'll be surprised at how fast and how much people want to do for you. Can you I say one other thing like that? Of course you can. Something that's profoundly important to me I was lucky in a way, as a scholarship student, I was a subject of tests at Stanford. I have a brain defect that is really big. It's called a double helix. I have no sense of direction and I cannot remember certain kinds of processes. So when I talk about it, it wasn't a matter of pride, it was a matter of fear. I just knew that I needed people with talents different than mine. Cause I also, it also knows I see patterns. So systems and patterns were my strength. And, and it was so stark. So I think if people look at what are they really, really bad at, they can look for the flip side talent. 
It's I, powerful. I love that. You know, there you are with a, I don't know what you would call it, but there was a deficiency, right? A, a physical deficiency. And you're like, okay, physically, I just can't do these things. So I need to get people who can do it and can do it well. Um, so that's fantastic. And, and, you know, so many of us who don't have the same or similar deficiencies, I kind of wish we did so that we can follow, <laughs> we could follow how easy you made that decision and that choice to say, well, physically, I can't do this. So obviously, I have to get someone else to do it. And we get in our own way, don't we? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So describe to us, um, and I, I think you've touched on it already. I talk about this on the show all the time, Kari. We as entrepreneurs have a superpower. The one thing that we're just fantastic at, it's a natural gifting. And if we just build that muscle and practice that, become one of the best in the world at that, um, that's where you're unique. That's where you shine and let go of everything else and outsource it to people where it's their superpower to do your weakness or your kryptonite, so to speak. What would you say is your superpower specifically? When I hear somebody talk and they sent me things about traits or what they're trying to do, I get patterns. I can see who they should connect with best and specifically why. The downside is it, it's, it's like a gusher. So people said, okay, you're talking to Kari about that? Have a recording on. Because I'll go bop, 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 bop. And, I, and I don't, if I slow it down, I, I forget things or I, I lose the thread. So I think that superpower has enabled me to help several of my clients form unexpected partnerships um, around very specific ways and also uh, record a lot. I love that. So what I'm hearing you say is your superpower is this free flow of creativity and connectedness um, through patterns, right? That you see, you can see how to connect the dots in a way that's just maybe 10 or 15 layers out. And it just gushes out of you in one stream of consciousness and very important that you're recording it or your clients are recording it. And then they can go back and kind of, uh, okay, what was step four that she mentioned? Um, to acknowledge that if I slow down, I lose it. And I told them that I said, um, but I think that specificity again and, and saying, because you're doing this, so-and-so is doing this, that may be this. This is a three-way thing. I said, in light of that, it'd also be this, this, and this. Because it, when I'm talking to someone who matters to me, that's when it comes out. I can do some of it in advance. But it's hearing them, for some reason, auditorially, mm. that makes the rest happen. So I've Love gotten it. more specific over time. Love it. Describe to us your biggest fail, mistake, or setback in your first year of business. I think it was moving too quickly without building credibility with some of the potential people. Mm. They, the organization said, that's not what we do. And so I didn't realize I had to make it more clear and pace myself so, by doing emails or whatever. So I lost two potentially real clients, good clients. One of them said, she's so arrogant. She thinks she can tell our company how to do, and we've been doing this for 40 years. And I probably did sound that way because, you know, clarity can sound show-offy if you don't learn to modulate. I'm laughing because you're describing half of my career. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. You just articulated that so well. Clarity can sound show-offy. 
because sometimes I would just see things like you said, patterns, but I see, I see it uh, from a very human rather than processes or systems. Um, and I would just connect dots really quick for people and create new possibilities with such clarity and almost an authority. I want to say that would occur as I was a show off. I was a know-it-all arrogant uh, obnoxious were words that have been used to describe me. And <laughs> yes, familiar I, to me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you and I are like related. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Uh, speak more to that. I think going back to apologize and waiting a while so they could gestate on it. So one way I, I apologize to the four companies where I think I did that worst. And one of them came forward and said, we come around, we see what you're doing for others. Maybe we'll try it. The others were alienated and didn't ever come back. Mm. But then I also realized it's not all about me. They had internal issues going on that were really occupying them. So I think the second lesson was not to always think it's about me that they're doing this. It's like when someone acts like a jerk early in my life, there may be things I don't know about why they're acting the way they're acting. Um, Epley, Nicholas Epley wrote a book. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but he, he helped me figure out You've got to ask follow-up questions. You've got to listen longer. Mm. Um, and sometimes you'll figure it out, but not always. I get that so much, right? It's Startup Nation, listen to that, right? Sometimes we discount others and we just cut them off um, be, rather than do the work of just communicating or clarifying with them. Hey, why is it that you feel that way about me? Or how am I coming across right now? Or you know, what it, what's, what's this gap? I sense there's something in between us that's holding us back from moving forward. You know, what do you think that is? And really just getting clear with them and giving them an opportunity to, sh to share and clear the space, um, I think could be so valuable. Don't you, Kari? I do. I think you've got more bravery than I do in what you just articulated. Because I think I go sideways here. I haven't had that nerve. I said, well, it seems like it's not flowing as well for us. What direction is best to take it in now? Or I want to be as efficient as I can. You suggest some specifics that are uppermost in your mind right now. And I'll be um, candid if I think our group could support you. Mm, got it. I think they're both valid approaches. Just two different ways of achieving the same end, which is workability and communication. Right? Workability. I like that word. Isn't that a great word? Yes. Yeah, I've learned... Um, and, uh, you know, I, I speak about this a lot on my other uh, podcast, Broken Catholic. Um, you know, we, we have grown up in three generations of making each other wrong. You know, it's right, <laughs> it's wrong, it's wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And, and immediately that repels us, right? That repels people away from us. We don't like when someone makes us wrong. Nobody does, right? So uh, what I've come to learn through other coaches is, listen, stop making everything right and wrong, right and wrong. Not everything is a morality uh, conversation. You take out the morality for a second. Morality has its place, right? You don't remove that in certain things that are like intrinsically evil, like murder or something. Yeah, that's wrong. But in the everyday 90% of com human communication, it's not a morality conversation. It's ask yourself this question. Is it working or is it not working? It's very simple. There's either workability or there's unworkability. And where there's unworkability, how do we create workability? And it immediately takes out all the wrong making and defenses go down and communication opens. And, and it, it it's just very powerful. Like it could work better. Um. Yes.
Yeah, and I think just having the guts or the, the courage to say, hey, this isn't working. How do we make it work? Or maybe we don't want to make it work, right? And, and then it's not a fit. But yeah, take out the wrong thing. I think that's awesome. Um, how many hours would you say, Kari, did you put in per week your first year in business? And you're in that business, right? Um, boy, probably 10 hours a day. Mm. But, but I was really liking it. And it was really important. I realized after the first three months, I needed to do a workout. So I would do the, the workouts that are intense and brief. And I made myself do a 10-minute workout. Uh, that first year was really full. And then I realized I would be a better me if I could reduce it to eight. So it, it's kept going down a bit. And I think when you like what you do, it's another way you've got to realize there's got to be another part to your life too. I and love that. I love that. How could I make, how, how could I be a better me? That's so cool. Great way of saying it. Uh, what would you say would be, was your like number one fear that really messed with your head back then, your first year? That as it grew, it was not just about my finances because I had money in the bank from saving. Thank God I have a wonderful investor professional, but it's other people's lives at stake. And if we goofed, they were putting more of their hope and work into what we were doing so I could um, damage their lives. Mm. That, that really gnawed at me. I get that. Yeah. So when you make it bigger than you, right? You got to have a big why, they say, right? When you make the why bigger than, hey, just you making money, uh, then all of a sudden you see, hey, other lives, you know, I'm partially responsible for, right? And now you want to work more or, you know, achieve more, accomplish more and really go for it where maybe you want to quit. Maybe you want to give up if it's just about you. Yeah, I get that. What, what else shows up for you in that? Um, meeting people who went through a rough time in 2008, because a lot of Americans have not recovered from that still, and it's not adequately covered in my view. So they saw their, a lot of money disappear and this was their second or third option after that. Um, so there was both a desire to do well and prove that they did have the talent and that deep-seated fear. So we actually had one time set aside where we talked um, directly about that and um, tried to see what we could do as we were pacing, attracting new clients and the ways that we could get um, more expensive packages we offered clients and how they'd like it. So building a faster growth was something that we turned into a motivation, but we understood each other's background and that was helpful as context. Yeah, I get that. That's awesome. What would you say was the best business advice you've received in this business? To know that the world was in turning, turning increasingly digital and that a lot of these technologies that I admired, but I couldn't learn a lot about, like artificial intelligence and virtual reality um, and hacking, which stole a lot of my money from my book sales. Uh, we befriended people who are tracking that and said, if it ever approaches our business model, let's talk to you about it. And then I'd write about them in Forbes sometimes. So I was giving back about what they were doing. So watching emerging trends, watching new niches coalesce that you might go after, seeing globally if there's a way 
to serve other people um, and moving more people onto retainer or, or organizations and make it seem worth their while to do that. Uh, those are the things that I both was afraid of because they were not my skill areas, but I had a strong interest in. And again, it was experts who showed up and were not pushy and believed in a mutuality mindset because I profoundly believe that. And I believe one way you know whether you've got a good partner and client is when they step forward with an idea that helps you even before you knew you needed it nor didn't know they could provide it. That to me makes a really close partnership. And several customers made suggestions to me that were very helpful. And each of the people was on our payroll did. And so we made that one of our conscious themes. And that's also to say, uh, Kari, that actually your suggestion doesn't help me. This is why. But I'm sure glad to know you're willing to step forward like that. We made that part of our rules of engagement. Specific rules of engagement help. I love that. I mean, that's so powerful. What a filter, right? It's like, is this person self-centered or are they other-centered? And like right out the gate, they're going to show their colors. And mutuality-centered. So it's about us both. I believe a healthy relationship isn't a quid pro quo, but an ebb and flow of mutual support over time. And love there are it. a lot of takers. Adam Grant wrote Give and Take. And, and he said, givers are among the least and most successful. So you've got to give in appropriate ways. That goes back to mutuality. Put your, put your time in where you know over time it'll flow back because then you're supporting that trade in other people. I love that. Startup Nation, I used to surround myself with takers in my close circle. And they would take, 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 take until I was left depleted. And I would run out constantly. And I finally got that they were just energy vampires. They would take from me. <laughs> and I said, no more, enough, right? And I started surrounding myself with people that are givers. And they're constantly look for, looking for ways to contribute to myself and others around them. And coming up with ideas like Kari is saying and saying, hey, Joseph, have you considered this? And look, you could do so much better with this or you can make more money here. And, and I, they were calling out my blind spots, things I didn't know I didn't know. And that <laughs> is a great filter, Kari. I love it. That's, that's brilliant. Share with and us. And for you to be candid yeah. back and say, that doesn't help me. This is why. So iteratively, you get smarter at helping each other. That's that I get that. Point. Yeah. Or I don't see how this helps me. Can you show me something I don't see, right? Because sometimes just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And, and sometimes it's being coachable. Be coachable and, and say, <laughs> hey, can you help me? Because obviously you see something I don't see and I kind of want to see it because it sounds really good. Oh, very well put. Very well put. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what would you say, um, share with us one of your daily habits that's helped you get to where you are right now. Um, two, I believe in lucid dreaming, which means you go to sleep each night floating through what happened during the day, trying not to analyze it. It takes practice, but sometimes you'll wake up in the middle of the night after REAM sleep, which is, and it's like you talking to you with less ego, saying you made a mistake here, or here's a pattern you missed. So there's a book on it. I learned it. I was the slowest person in school to learn the process. It's helped me through a lot of bad and good times. But second, I believe in motion and being outdoors, even when it's cold out. So if I walk somewhere, and I just walk for 15 minutes, um, especially if I've got specificity, I look like that. I just do a combination of specificity and non and see what comes in my mind because that's when the patterns float in. 
it's a 10 to 15 minute walk. Got it. Got it. So this is a muscle that you've trained, right? You built up. Well put. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I get that. That's awesome. Uh, what would you say is your favorite app, digital resource or website and why? Whoa. I don't use many apps cause others do cause I goof up on them. But I, I'll tell you, Google Alerts is so basic. I track phrases and people, you. And so then I know when things have come up where I might be helpful to them or they might be helpful to me. And I read the Google Alerts of different organizations, phrases, trends. That's so cool. I still have uh, Google Alerts that come in like for co-working space because I own two co-working spaces. So every now and then I'll just like, oh, this is interesting. This is happening in you know California. Oh, that's really cool the way they're doing that. And it's nice because I don't have to go out searching for it. It just comes to me. So I agree with you. Google Alerts, pretty cool stuff. What's the one thing, Kari, that you want the world to know about being successful in business? Wow, that I should know that. I think one of the most important things is are you really proud of who you're helping and what it gives to people, both as your employees and others? And it's a really selfish thing because when you really connected and made something better in a very concrete way for a company or a cause or your colleagues, there's no better way for them to have bragging rights and go say, wow, this is so cool. Um, Peter Guber, who's one of the owners of the Golden State Warriors, he, he wrote a book called Made to Win and it's about creating a purposeful narrative that other people see a role they want to play in it. I want my business for someone to say, this is a core part that helps make us do better and be more proud of our organization. It's that mutuality again. It, it feeds. It creates a virtuous circle, you know, where things keep creating, like Hotmail did a long time ago. Everybody, made, It was so wonderful to use. So I believe in virtuous circles. Man, that's cool. Startup Nation, I hope, like me, you're getting so much like value from Kari right now. I mean, she's just dropping all these wisdom bombs, like boom, 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 uh, throughout this interview. And I think it's fantastic, really. Now, uh, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Kari Anderson. She's an Emmy-winning former NBC and Wall Street Journal reporter. Uh, she's a columnist for Forbes and Huffington Post. And she's got over a million views uh, with her TED Talk on YouTube. Um, and you can find her at sayitbetter.com. That's sayitbetter.com. She's got a really cool blog if you want to really follow what, you know, her mindset and the way she sees life and sees business. That's where you can find her. So, Kari, we're about to jump in my favorite part, which is the, the hustle, hustle round. So, the hustle round, I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. Just say the first thing that comes to you. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. What's your favorite sound? Music. Got it. What's your least favorite sound? Loud screaming and torture. Got it. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A journalist. And you did. Yes. What are you most afraid of? Um, getting lost on a freeway that I've gone to a place before and I might hurt someone by hitting them in the car. Wow, that's so specific. I love it. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Trying to do it all myself, not listening closely to other people, not being sufficiently specific. 
Startup Nation, did Kari just describe you? Pay attention. <laughs> what secret fear do you have about people? That it's more contagious to do something bad than good. And as we learn more about each other and we see specific ways to do bad, it spreads faster. Our noble cause is to shine a light on the good that people are doing and how. Mm, I get that, man. That, that you just described the media, right? And the, the power of shock value. And social uh, media. Yeah, exactly. Kari, what do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? how much I needed to be around people with different talents and temperaments. So we'd be sort of see more sides of situation that came to me later. I wish I'd had it sooner. I love that. Surrounding yourself with differences is where innovation happens within the friction that's caused by uh, different unique, uh, you know, characteristics coming together. I think that's fantastic. Uh, what would you say is a new habit that you want to form? I want to be able to exercise and be more flexible in my body because I've seen people who are at the gym and I believe those people become flexible and more observant. And you just notice where I've stiffened up because I sit a lot from writing and coaching. Got it. I get that. And what's a bad habit that you want to break? Drinking three glasses of wine a day because I'm with someone who loves wine and one is fine for me or none. <laughs> I love that. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Sensitive, mutuality minded, growth oriented. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Cautious, general, short sighted. <laughs> what a contrast. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Thank you for helping me. I thought no one would. I'd never thought of that before. That's awesome. Really well said. Thank you for helping me. I thought no one would. Wow. Powerful. And Kari, last question. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family, friends, and loved ones only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Bring out the good side in others. I think you've done that today with all of us. So thank you for that, Kari. What's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? They could go at the website, say it better, and reach out to contact me. That's saybetter.com. Yeah. Do you have any um, uh, products or anything that you really want Startup Nation to know about? I have an ebook and paperback that's been stolen by over 90 entities, but it's called Mutuality Matters. And it's over 140 specific ways that you can have a more adventuresome, meaningful life with others. Mutuality Matters is on Amazon. Fantastic. So if you want to check that out, Startup Nation, go to Amazon. Mutuality matters. I agree. Kari, thanks for joining us today. And I wish you peace, love, and superpowers. And thank you. You really helped give me further clarity. And that's the best compliment I can give someone. Thank you, really. Fantastic. Startup Nation, head over to first100k.com for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness.
So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I'll catch you on the next show.